0: Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count. Every day from the website girlfriendit.com and the movement girlfriendit. Here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com. Well,
1: we begin our show with a question to get us all thinking, kind of get us started, get the juices flowing. Well, we do this because we love a good question or two or three. You know, questions have a way of getting a conversation started and sometimes a question, well, it kind of even makes us squirm a little bit. But generally... A question will provoke our thinking, and sometimes a question, a good question, will take us out of our comfort zones. Well, we have discovered that people uh, don't tend to ask a lot of questions anymore. It's interesting, you can get in a conversation, and a lot of times it can be very one-sided because we've discovered we all want to talk. We want to talk about ourselves, and, and we're, we're quick to tell other people what we're doing and what's going on. Well, today, we, I've been using the word we a lot, we is me, as in Lisa Jernigan, because Patty Wyatt, my, my partner in crime here, is soaking up fun and sun on the beach in California with her family. So before I go too much farther into our show today, I want to remind you again that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and on our website at girlfriendit.com. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. So I'm going to go into the question because we normally start off our show with a question, but the question is coming right now. And here's the question. What area of your life are you allowing a feeling of inadequacy to stop you from moving forward? Okay. Not only do we love questions, like I just mentioned, but we also love a good quote and quotes have a way of just kind of inspiring us. And, and, and it's, it's fun to find a good quote that kind of makes you think and, and kind of ruminate on it for a while. And in our postcard this week, here's the quote that we use. There is a crack in everything, and that's how the light gets in. And when I first read that quote, I thought, that is so true, because so many times, if we're really honest, we all feel a little cracked and flawed at times. And let me ask you another question. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Well... Let's talk more about that today with our guests, Janet Dress and Krista McGee. Well, my first guest today is a friend of the heart, who I've known, I think, for almost 20 years. And her name is Janet Drez. And Janet and I have have shared a lot over the years in friendship. We have served together on a board um, with Christian Business Women's Association. Um, Recently, Patty and I spoke at a women's conference for Janet and her church. And over the years, we have shared our heartbeat for women and for living in our calling. And Um, through those moments and through our journeys, we've shared a lot of celebrations. We've also shared a lot of scars, but it seems like we've always had a cup of coffee in our hand while we are doing it. And we love to meet in in the mornings and, and just have some coffee time and some girlfriend time. And so I'm so excited right now to have a private girlfriend conversation actually with Janet that includes all of you. So I want Janet to share her recent journey of celebrations and scars That's going to encourage each one of us and inspire us and and just in our own journeys and living through some of our inadequacies to really follow through and to go forward. Well, Janet and her husband have recently started a new ministry called Ministry of Casa de Vida. So before I get too much farther into Janet's story, Janet, I want to welcome you, girlfriend, to the show. Thank you so much, Lisa. And I have my coffee in my hand. And I have mine too. So here we go. We're, we're 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 so ready to go. We're caffeinated and on an adrenaline rush. So it's per, it's a winning combination for a girlfriend conversation. Well, okay. I, I want to. I know your story, but I want some of the others because. You know, it really all is about hearing each other's stories and being encouraged by other women's stories especially to so just find that encouragement in your own life to go forward sometimes and know that you're really not alone. And you and your husband Mark recently made a huge lifestyle change. I mean, I've just been I've been on the sidelines watching it and being a prayer warrior for you, but it is a pretty major lifestyle change that, that very few of us actually would go through with and yet you guys have gone through this so First of all, I'm going to ask you, will you just walk us through and give us um, kind of an overview about what has been happening in your lives and, and about the ministry of Casa de Vida?
2: Absolutely. I'll try to make this short because it's a, it's a many-year journey, but but really the, the crux of it is we felt God calling us to minister in a neighborhood that is a low socioeconomic area where mark actually teaches Um, he's a junior high school teacher and has been teaching in that area for 12 years and increasingly over time we just felt this pull to the students to the kids who were involved in young life and wildlife and getting more involved in in these kids lives and just have a heart for that neighborhood that we felt God was saying, okay, it's one thing to go and serve and then go home to your pretty little house um, in the pretty little lakes and all of that, and it's something else to actually be the incarnate Jesus and kind of do what Jesus did, you know, come to earth and, and live with the people on a daily basis and be able to love them in life, this daily life, and kind of being present with these kids and these families ongoing. So last November, we
3: started on
2: this journey, um, put our house on the market, found a house in the neighborhood that was built in the 50s, pretty much falling apart, (laughs) um, but (laughs) knew that that was the place where God wanted us to be. So we now have kind of renovated this house and it's still in the process. Um, but it's really been an opportunity to be Jesus with skin on and, and earn the right to be heard and be able to just love and live with those families that God is calling us to.
1: Well, it really is a remarkable story on so many levels. And, and I know it's been a, you know, a few years in process because we've been talking about it over coffee, of course, um, but you know what? It's interesting. First of all, we must say that you uh, were in ministry. You were a women's director at a church, and so you have left, given up your ministry at, at a local church to to dive into this ministry to really give it your all. Um, that is that is a hard thing to do. A lot of times, I, I I remember several years ago, I was at one of those crossroads when doing ministry, and I had been in a job for like fifteen years, and it was at that do I. I let go of something that's secure and comfortable to step into something that is unknown, but I really feel God prompting and calling. And and that's a difficult decision, a lot of wrestling of letting go to embrace something that you don't really know what you're embracing. Can you kind of just unpack that a little bit about? Because I think so many of us women, we find ourselves at those crossroads at different seasons of our life and knowing, like, okay, is this the right time to, to let go? And and is this really what God's calling me to do?
2: Yeah, and all of those things that you just said, I mean, I think emotionally we we go, you know, on this roller coaster of of trying to definitely press into God and pursue what he wants, but we have, you know, our our self and our our emotions and and all of that. And so yeah, I I did wrestle back and forth back and forth in prayer as far as should I stay and continue to minister um, at the church through, because I was there for seven years as the women's ministry director full time, and I loved it, and it was awesome, and I saw fruit and loved the women, but I, I felt this huge pull, like you said, to this totally unknown thing, and, and most of the people that we're ministering to in the neighborhood are Hispanic, and I am not. <laughs> And there, there is language to learn and the unknown and, and you know, not, not really the check boxes to say, okay, this is what I, this is my agenda. This is what I'm going to accomplish today. Um, but, but also, so going back and forth in that conversation, and for a while, I really wanted God to say, you can do both. Um, and I kind of, you know, was sort of bargaining with God about, okay, God, I, I think I know how this could look. and. And could I get my intern to take on more for me? And could I, you know, could I rally some more leaders and, so that I could be in both places? Um, and I think God just kind of was letting me try to make that work. And then ultimately, well, as you know, Lisa, it was at the retreat that you were speaking at where you challenged us on Friday night to expect God. You know, what, what this weekend are you expecting God to do or to say? And so I, at that moment, said to God, okay, God, I am expecting clarity about this very issue. And by the end of the weekend, I absolutely had clarity that I needed, with, with sorrow and bittersweetness, that I needed to let go of that area of ministry to really follow the calling that God had. And, and I could not deny it.
1: Mm. And and that's an interesting place to be when you when you really go okay because you and I had had conversation like is, is it time what, what's God's timing what is the time uh, when you when you're feeling prompted and led how do you know this is the time to jump <laughs> um, and and to jump in and that's really hard to know a lot of times because there's always so many factors and then it's like is this my voice is this God's voice and how and how do I know so there's so many and then a lot of times like the question we ask there's those feelings of inadequacy it's like who am I to jump in and do this? And do I really, can can this, can this be done? Is this really what God wants? Well, Janet, we have less than two minutes till we have to take a break. So I really quick in the, in the minute and a half we have before we take a break, share quickly, what was a couple or one of your biggest obstacles in moving forward with this? Once you realize God said, okay, you know, I mean, and it wasn't an audible voice, but you just felt that prompting of like, this is, to do this what are some obstacles that you identified
2: um obviously the language is a huge obstacle um financially that this is a big you know letting go of a of a salary that was an obstacle um and then just the practicality of moving into the neighborhood where i didn't know anybody and and okay god how am i going to be able to build bridges you know, I felt like that was, you know, is, you know, ongoing part of what we're doing there, but that can also be an obstacle.
1: Absolutely. Well, I want to I leave us with a did you know as we go into our first break. It has been estimated that we make about 2,500 choices every day, and the quality of our life is largely determined by the quality of our decisions. We're going to kind of ponder that thought as we go into our break. We're going to be right back with Janet Dress.
3: My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia.
4: Stadia brings
1: people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information,
4: go to stadia.cc. Join host Kaylin Amadillo for Act Local. Marketing for Small Business. Kalen helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kalen for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help. With online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the
1: Show, and we are continuing our conversation with our guest Janet Drez, who who is a great friend of the heart and a, and a ministry uh, friend who, along with her husband Mark, made a significant decision recently to basically start over in ministry and when we we went into right before we went into our our, our break, we were talking about a lot of times you can feel that that nudging of God to go forward and and you, you go okay i 'm going to choose to go forward with God, but then there's these obstacles that come in the way. And sometimes those obstacles are, are kind of dressed in inadequacy, especially as women. We go, oh, who am I to think I can do this? And really, and we have that self-doubt and those conversations. But, you know, when we choose to live according to the spirit, it's one of the most important decisions we can make. And a lot of times we stop short of all that God has for us because of those inadequacies. So, so Janet, as we go into this, you entered a whole new world, like you said. It was a new community uh, a new demographic, a new language, all of that new, um, and starting over, there had to be a lot of feelings of inadequacy. Can you just talk about that? Just what you Absolutely. have seen in with women and how we tend to allow that those feelings to stop us too short.
2: Definitely. And I, I am one of those women. I love... The verse in the book of Acts um, where it's, it's Peter and John, and it says that the people saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but that the people could notice that they had been with Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. And I so
2: often that rolls around in my head that I am an unschooled, ordinary woman. And so it's like, okay, God, really? And as I said, the, the calling to a Hispanic area where I don't know Spanish, um, I am a white girl. And it's like, oh, my goodness, God, are you? couldn't you have found someone else? Um, and, and feeling very much in over my head, I... You know, it's like, this is not a ministry that has been precedented. There there isn't a blueprint of how you do this. Um, I mean, I've read lots of books and, you know, talked to lots of people and gotten lots of great, you know, helpful information. But really what it looks like on a day-to-day basis, I have no idea. (laughs) And so mm-hmm. I do struggle with, oh God, help me here, because I don't, you know, what, what skills do I have? Um, I've never done this before. It is totally uncharted water to me. And I, I often feel like a baby. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I thought, I've, I've been in ministry for 20 years. I thought, okay, you know, I, I can do this. Um, and then find yourself. You know, it's like, I have no idea how to make friends with the person across the street because I don't speak her language. And I mean, there's all these things where I I am being stretched out of my comfort zone. Um, And of course, even with all of that, I, I know that there is discouragement that comes with those feelings of inadequacy. Then we get discouraged and think, okay, I just, I don't think I can do it. And, and I have had my days where I, I just look at the Lord and say, okay, I don't, I don't think I can do this. And, and he reminds me, one of the things that I say is, how in the world am I going to do this? And then I hear that little voice that says, well, it's not of this world. That's how you're going to do it.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's
2: not how in the world am I going to do this? It's it's how, God, how by your spirit are you going to do this? And and I get to just be along for the ride.
1: <laughs> and that's a really good perspective and way of looking at that. And, and I think there's this mis, misperception that a lot of times when you're, you're feeling that nudging uh, of the spirit of God and a calling, and you have that initial excitement of, of okay, look, this is exciting, let's go do it. And then, like you said, then, then there's those, those uh, waves of discouragement and doubt that set in. And a lot of times we don't talk about that. And when we start something new, we only hear people's highlights of, of things in ministry. So that when we experience those, those feelings of discouragement and doubt and those obstacles, we go, what am I doing wrong? And that's not what it means. When anytime you follow the Lord, and, and we look in, you know in the Bible, a lot of those guys, they went to their death because they followed the Lord. And... So it's it's one of those, okay, how do you stay, you, you don't give up, and you find encouragement from other women and other stories of people just going, okay, I, me too, I have, I have experienced that, but it's going forward. And, and like you said, I, I too find great strength in that ordinary men because I feel extremely ordinary. And a lot of times we take ourselves out of doing, joining God for something amazing because we look at ourselves and go, I don't. But it's not about what we don't. It's about what he can and does have. Um, how Share some of the ways you've seen God just show up because, like you said, you're in this place going, God, if you don't show up, I have nothing here. I don't have a language. I don't have – you know I, talking about not fitting in sometimes. And how have you seen God show up, those little mil, uh, miracles and celebrations?
2: And, and I can say we have had a lot of that, and, and some of that um, has come from the teenagers in our neighborhood. Um, just Monday night, we had an obstacle course in our backyard, which God gave us this immense backyard, which at first scared me to death because it was four feet high in weeds and full of all kinds of crazy rubbish and weird stuff. But we got to see 30 teenagers running around in our backyard, all kids from the neighborhood um, that are in high school, and they're having the time of their lives running through the mud in our irrigation ditch, which is a whole other thing that I knew nothing about how to irrigate and what in the world do I have to do to do that? Um, But... Getting to see these kids laughing and having, I just, I stood back for a minute and just watched, and I thought, okay, thank you, God. This is why you gave us this yard. This is why you called us to this neighborhood. And, and so, you know, getting to see these kids interacting and having fun and laughing and getting dirty and just being kids, I, I think says so much about God and how He loves them. Um, another woman in the neighborhood that I've gotten to know through a bunch of series of w- very strange coincidences, if we want to say that, but um, that she is is not a believer, but we have become friends and um, been able to share, and she is interested in joining me for Bible study and, just being able to be present in her life, we helped her move, we, you know, helped her with some groceries, and and again, that's that's one relationship that God is, is building, and that we do get to see, you know, we do get to see God show up. Um, yesterday, I was in the park across the street, which is this tiny little park that from the beginning of driving through this neighborhood, I felt like God said, Janet, that's your park. I had no idea what for, <laughs> um, but... I was cleaning in the park, picking up the trash and stuff in the park, and and school let out, and so a bunch of the little kids, the elementary school kids, were running through the park, and so I just had a minute to just, you know, say, hi, I live across the street, ask them their names, uh, and just be able to, you know, love on them just for a minute, and again, it's like those are the little moments that I feel like are a God wink, where God says, okay, I'm moving, and I'm present, and I'm at work, so... Keep going,
1: <laughs> well, and one of the things I know from your story that a lot of times when we you, you move into or you start something that 's so unknown, and one of the the challenges is where do I begin? How do I begin to break in? How do I begin something new? and I know one of the things you did is you took a passion, you, you love to work out and to exercise and you have your park right across the street, and you, and you just said, I'm going to start doing exercise classes in the park early in the morning, and see who joins me, and so you started doing, taking a passion that you love, which is exercise, and a place that you just felt called to, and go, I'm going to start an exercise class, and invite my community, and invite the women, and just through that, how God starts developing relationships, and a lot of times, it's just God is so gracious to it. He allows us to use our own passions anyway, and just he morphs those into something he can use and a tool. And so it sounds so simple, but I thought that was brilliant of you to think about that, going, this is a way I'm going to start establishing a relationship with these women. And so just starting in in that kind of of a way, I think, is very encouraging for the women because sometimes we think it has to be something so grandiose to start, and it really doesn't. It's just start. And just begin with something that you're familiar with, like you, with exercising. Um, I, can you leave us with, because I, I know there's women listening that are in ministry, and they're either on the verge of like, okay, I'm feeling God prompting me to start something new, and I, I, I'm so unsure, you know, the doubts, the discouragement, the inadequacies, or I'm in something and I don't, you know, how, how do I keep going forward, passing, you know, to pass through those obstacles? What are some tips that you'd give women that you have learned from this, journey, from this journey and are continuing to learn, that you would just pass on to other women?
2: Absolutely. I, I think the first thing is don't neglect your own personal time with Jesus. Uh, I think in ministry, it's easy for us to think that the ministry is our time with Jesus. So, well, I'm going to church to do my serving, so that's my time. Or, you know, well, I'm going across the street to the park to work out with these ladies, so that's my, my time. But, but really, our personal time with the Lord, allowing Him to encourage us and, and to be in the Word. And, and that's, I mean, I know it's very obvious, but I think we neglect it because um, we get so busy and we want to be about doing and, what you know, what am I going to do today for Jesus? Um, but also, you said earlier about the relationships, the, the other women in our lives, and continuing to have those um, who are in your pack. I know that's something, Lisa, that you taught me about our, our pack, who's in my pack, um, and that I, I need those other women who will come alongside and pray for me, and support me, and encourage me, and listen to me whine when I need to whine. Um, mm. But will also steer me back to Jesus when I need that. Um, and and so I think the fellowship part, the the camaraderie part, is is help, so helps us to get through the obstacles. Um, our friends can see things sometimes that we don't see. Um, and and then I I also
1: I, you know it yes. kind of is one of those. Janet, we're going to have to take a break. And again, I want to thank you for joining. You can hear more about Janet's story at GirlfriendIt.com. We'll be right back.
0: This is Girlfriend it on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these.
1: We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc.
0: In the annals of recorded history, there has never been anything that can compare to home movies. But now, in this modern era, where do you turn for the best information? Right here. It's the Home Movie Legacy Project. Hosted by Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Learn how to organize, digitize, share on social media, use as genealogy research, repurpose or even monetize found footage. Discover ways to find films about your own family that you didn't even know existed. Or create a documentary that can use the power of home movies to deliver a message that can impact the lives of many. For more on Rhonda and the show, go to our website, HomeMovieLegacy.com. Then be here as the journey continues with the Home Movie Legacy Project with Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network.
1: Well, again, thank you for joining our show and and just kind of leaning into our conversation today. Well, my next guest is an author. She's an English teacher. She's a mother. She's a wife. And she's a woman full of purpose and passion for life. Krista McGee lives in Tampa, Florida, and she's the author of a new release called Anonymally. I, I have a hard time saying that word. Chris, <laughs> I'm going to let you say it when you come on. Krista also has a huge heart for teens. And so, Krista, I just want to welcome you to Girlfriend at Radio. And I'm just excited to talk to you and hear a little bit more about your passion and your journey and feeling God calling you into just even writing and working with teens. So welcome to Girlfriend at. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, good. Okay, first of all, as we get into this, I... I just, we always love to hear people's stories and their journeys and how they really felt led and how God nudged them and called them. And so many times as women, we don't even know. It's hard to know. Okay. I don't even know my purpose. I don't even know what God's calling me to do. And we're in that search and seek mode. And how did you know what God wanted you to do?
3: It's a great question. I, um, I've always had a heart for youth. So, you know, from the time I first summer out of high, out of college, no, out of high school. So my first, my freshman year of college that summer, I spent the summer working at a youth camp as a counselor. And, you know, every year after that, I was either working at church with the youth or working at youth camps for another summer or different things like that. And, you know, majored in English and uh, continued to serve in churches and things like that. While I was, I stayed home with my kids. I didn't, I didn't work outside the home at that time. But I was still very involved with youth group. My husband was a junior high youth leader, and I assisted him. And and so my heart's always been very much with youth. God changed my life when I was 15. That's when I really gave my heart to Him. And um, I am here as a testament to the love of youth leaders who invested in me. And so uh, that was kind of easy for me. I didn't even have to think about it. I knew God wanted me to work with youth, and and so, you know, over the years I have, and now I am a a teacher, an English teacher, and I'm able to work with students at a Christian school in that way. But the writing came about really just as it's, it's another branch of ministry that God's given me from, you know, working with youth in church to working with the students that I teach at a Christian school to writing for youth writing something that I've always loved to do. And a few years ago when that Twilight was really big, I'm not, you know, anti-Twilight bashing Twilight, but, you know, I read it because my students were going crazy and reading it in the middle of my class when they're supposed to be listening to me. And I'm like, okay, I need to see what this thing is all about. And the parents were calling me, you know, I'm at a Christian school, so they're like, is this okay? Can I let my child read this? um, So I read it and I thought, you know, it's a good story, but what made me sad was that Edward was Jesus you know, he was the savior. He was everything Bella needed to complete her and to make her happy and to fulfill her. And I put the you know, I read the series and I put it down and I thought, Oh, these girls need to know it isn't a boy that's gonna make all their dreams kind of true. It's Jesus Christ. And so I thought, you know what, I somebody should write books where Jesus is the hero and Those books do exist. At the time, I didn't know. I was like, well, then I'll do it. And so I went to my husband, and I said, hey, I think I want to write a book. And he said, okay. And so I spent the summer of 2009 writing my first book, which was First Date, which is more of a contemporary romance-based poster. Anyway, Jesus is the hero. He's the one that um, the book is focused around, and there is some romance and other stuff in there. But I really want girls to finish reading what I read and realize that they have what they long, what they long for with unconditional, unconditional love and acceptance uh, by somebody who will never leave them or forsake them. And, and so yeah, so that's why I write. I write because my heart for youth, because I want them to know how very much they are loved and how God has a plan for them and how they don't need to go searching for a boy or for even a career or anything to fill the hole that's in their lives that God has made for himself to fill.
1: Well, and what I'm hearing you say in so many different levels, which is is very encouraging and inspiring to so many of us, is you basically to kind of discover God's calling, God's purpose on your life, is is you just took from your own life experience. You you know, you were at the teens, and that was a significant time in your life, and somebody poured into you, and you're like, Okay, this matters. I I I I enjoy teens. I'm going to do this, and then, obviously, God gave you a bent for you know being an English teacher and teaching a Christian school. So just combining your passions, your, the expertise that God gave you to go, I'm just going to combine all these and use these and seeing a need. And a lot of times we go, you know, somebody should do, and then we wait for somebody. Maybe <laughs> right. God is, saying, hello, you are that somebody, <laughs> and and a lot of times we don't see that. Right, we exactly. Don't want to the time and the discipline, like you said, you took a summer and went, okay, if I'm going to do this, and a lot of times when we we see an opportunity, we immediately default to that, okay, this is going to mean this much work, this much time, this much sacrifice, and we go, mm, I think I'll let somebody else do it, instead of jumping in and going, maybe, <laughs> maybe I should do that, and and being willing to, to sacrifice and to do that. I got to tell you, I do... Share your love for teens. My husband was a youth pastor for 15 years be- before becoming the senior pastor at our church, okay. and I absolutely loved youth, uh, youth ministry and the teens. And they, what I yeah. what I discovered so much that I so appreciated about them was just their vulnerability and authenticity. If once they realized you were somebody that could be trusted, and they weren't afraid to take off masks yeah. and just be who they are, and it was very refreshing because they were. They would be raw and vulnerable with you, and and like I said, you don't see that a lot of times with adults. We we uh, we're good at wearing the mask and and uh, hiding our insecurities and our inadequacies. So a lot of times, teens will just go, "This is this is who I am and where I'm at," and because a lot of times they're testing you to see if you'll still like them, <laughs> in spite of all that. Right. But, yeah. But taking all of that together, and okay, so this so the book and just writing and putting this together how um how has your how did your that for that fiction like you said how did you go okay I need to create this character and I need to do this did you just like taking time just to be still and you just really felt God was just leading you that way
3: yeah you went more on an anomaly on the the, the newest book we think it or just in general I have
1: a hard time saying that word I don't know why I have a hard time <laughs> 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 oh, no, I yeah. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's interesting that
3: the, uh, my editors came to me. I had written three books, you know, in the contemporary young adult genre, and they said, hey, you know, would you be willing to write science fiction? Would you be willing to switch? And um, and I really like, I enjoy science fiction. I really enjoy dystopian. I like 1984 and Brave New World and The Giver and books like that, and so I thought, wow, that would be fun. Yeah, you know, that's kind of an assignment that they gave me. Here's your genre. Now what am I going to do with it? And so I did pray about it, and I'm like, all right, how am I going to write this? Because my heart doesn't change, even though my genre does. My heart is I want to point my readers to Christ. You know, I want to write a good story. I want it to be interesting, um, but I want it to point readers to truth. And so how do I do that in Dystopian, and who's my character going to be? And so I think, you know, first I started with the world. You know, what is the world going to be like? In a Dystopian, it's the future, and the future's messed up. You know, there's like Hunger Games and Divergent and Match and all those that are out right now. Uh, so what will my future world be like? I don't want it to be like one of those. I don't want to, you know, seem like I'm copying from another work. I want it to be my own idea. So I thought, well, if Christ is central to me, then what if he's taken out? and he's no longer taught, and, and you know, the, the people in charge of this world are doing everything in their power to just completely eradicate faith from, uh, from life, and so that's where I came up with the idea of, you know, the state, an, an anomaly, the state is where everybody lives, the entire world has been decimated by a nuclear war, and the only survivors are those who are living in an underground compound that was developed by scientists, and the scientists were hired by the American government years before to build it in, in case of a nuclear war, and that's where they were going to bring the president and all the important people, And um, but the war happened so quickly that nobody was able to make it under there except those ten scientists, and the scientists had everything they needed for life to continue, including the ingredients to make you know, more children and things like that. and so. The scientists said, all right, if we're all that's left and we're going to start this world from scratch, then let's, let's do it the right way. Let's make people productive. Let's make people not emotional so that they're not going to create wars and battles and things like that. And so if we're going to make sure people aren't emotional, we definitely need to get rid of religion because religion makes people very emotional on either side of it. So let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of the Scott Talk. Let's get rid of anything that keeps us from just being productive because productive is what's most important. And so, you know, from there, the idea for the world kind of came into play. And then I thought, well, who's my character? And um, because it's written for teens, I wanted her, even though she lives in a future world that doesn't exist, I want my teen readers to be able to identify with my main character. And so I thought, you know, a a universal struggle that teens, and, and even adults, but, you know, teens especially have is just feeling like they don't belong, you know, fish out of water feeling or... Nobody understands who I am or what I'm going through, and I feel so alone. You know, that is just something that almost every teen deals with at one level or another. And so I thought, let me give her that struggle, because then my readers will be able to identify. And and so she is an anomaly. She's different than everybody else, because even though they're all programmed, they're not supposed to have feelings or, you know, they're not supposed to question anything, she does. Her name is Tally. She questions what's going on, she feels more than she should, she has to hide all of that because if the scientists were to discover her anomaly, she'd be annihilated because they need everybody to be the same so they're productive so they don't have problems. And um, she's also questioning whether or not everything that she's being told is truth. And uh, there is one man in the state, uh, I don't want to give too much of the story away, but, you know, God always leaves a remnant. You know, and he promises that in his word. We see it, you know, in in Noah and the ark. And, you know, all throughout, he never allows those who come against his people to entirely prevail. There's always somebody or a group of people left behind to continue the truth, to speak the truth into the world so that they can know who God is. And so God had that man there in the state. And um, I don't want to, if I say any more, I give too much away, but she does, you know, come to discover what truth is as the story goes along.
1: Well you've already enticed me and I'm I'm fascinated by all the details and how how this evolved and emerged and the characters and the plot and you must have an amazing imagination. And just the research, I want to talk more. We're going to have to take a break here. And I want to come back and talk a little bit more about that and about what you said about the main character not feeling like she fit in because I think that's a common emotion we all struggle with. I want to go back before we take our break and, just, and remind us of our question. What area of your life are you allowing a feeling of an to stop you from moving forward? And are you celebrating your differences or allowing them to hold you back? We'll be right back.
0: Okay. This is Girlfriended on Toginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these.
1: My husband and I have always wanted to plan a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc.
0: Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter Devent Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on doginet.com. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. Devent will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter Devent Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central.
1: Welcome back. Well, have you ever felt like you were different from everyone else? Were you embarrassed by these differences and and perhaps tried to hide them? Well, in Krista McGee's latest novel, Anomaly, uh, the main character, Tally, must hide who she really is or face face death. Well, we're back with the author, Krista McGee, and we've been talking about her new book and the character and all the emotions that are involved with that. And Krista, your main character, Tally, knows – Her curiosity and her emotions make her unique. And our culture is interesting because um, we all want to be unique and we, we all want to have our own brand, or our own style, but yet at the same time, we, we struggle when we are not unique and we don't fit in. There's this kind of this tension there, and our, a lot of times we allow our differences to cause us not to fit in, even though we really want to be different and stand out. So there's all this tension going on here, and you kind of deal with this, it sounds like, in, in your new book and, and through your main character, Tally. What can teens, and I think not just teens, but women and people in general, learn from Tally? And learn about their differences.
3: Sure. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's so much easier for us to look at other people that are struggling with with this issue. You know, we can look at Tally and we can see your differences aren't bad. You shouldn't beat yourself up about this. You are amazing. You are talented. You are inquisitive. And, you know, if this were somebody we knew, if this were one of our friends, we would be patting her on the back and hugging her and telling her, You know, it's okay. Stop feeling like it's wrong to be so different. But we don't often give ourselves that same grace, Mm -hmm. you know, and I see this in the teens that I teach. And, of course, I've got a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old, both girls, and 10-year-old boy, so I see it in my own children in my own home and, and in their friends. And so, you know, I think a lot of times when we can see other people struggling with what we struggle with, it helps us to give ourselves the grace that we need to say, you know what, just like I would say to her, this fictional character, you're great and you need to not be so upset about being different, but embrace who you are because those differences are really good. Uh, We need to allow that for ourselves and say, you know what, maybe I'm not as pretty as this girl. Maybe I'm not as thin as this girl. Maybe I can't sing as well as her or play basketball as well as her, but God has made me exactly the way I am. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He has made me for a purpose, and I'm going to dwell on that, and I'm going to think on that, and I'm not going to allow those negative thoughts to fill my head and to cause me to be frustrated with who God has made me.
1: Well, you're, you're so right when you're saying all this, because especially in the area of grace. and I know a lot of times I'll tell women, will you please extend the grace yourself that you give to other people? And a lot of time, right. our self is so destructive. But we will turn around and encourage somebody else in the same thing. But we will destroy ourselves with our self talk, and, uh-huh. and that is so true. We'll look at our own differences and it, and it's it, we we magnify it. But yet we praise it in other people. And I don't know why we do that, but but it it, it is really common. And so. I think that's a good conversation to have. And that's why it is significant, like Janet said earlier, like what you're saying, to surround yourself, to have, you know, other people in your life who can speak in and to, to allow them to can encourage you. And I know, I know yeah. for me personally, it is really hard to let people say positive things. I dismiss it and because you get embarrassed yeah. or it's hard to accept yeah, yeah. But but, we need to, and we need to be giving it out to other people to encourage them and their differences, because it, and it all goes back to perspective, how how we look mm-hmm. at things you know um, okay, so what and, and as you 're working with teens and and, and just I, I like how you kind of kind of put a face to some of these these issues through your character of tally how just how are you seeing even with teens, how do you? in and, and your talk with teens and working with them, whether it's in the classroom or in ministry, how do you help them get beyond that, those feelings of inadequacy, and, and to help them to see themselves really as somebody uniquely and fearfully and wonderfully made?
3: Yeah, what I really try to tell my students, I have, um, I meet with the senior girls at school. So that, uh we meet for Bible study once a week during the school year. And we really dealt with it a lot this year. It just seems like this crop of girls especially were just um, just struggling with their identity. And uh, one of the things that I try to encourage them, and of course, you know, you always learn when you're teaching others, and I, I'm like, oh, I need to make sure I'm doing this myself, but I, I so believe in the power of Scripture and, and the, the power that Scripture has to be able to change our minds. And um, so I challenged the girls that I had in Bible study, what are you thinking? What is in your mind? If what is constantly in your mind is, you know, I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see and I put these clothes on and I don't like what it is and I look at everybody around me and I think of how much better they are than I am. If, that, if that's the monologue that's playing in your mind, you're never going to get past the self-image issue. So you've got to replace those thoughts with God's thoughts. You need to memorize, you know, the psalms that talk about how fearfully and wonderfully made you are. You need to memorize the verses in Romans that say that, you know, no one can imagine how, you know, the depth and the breadth and the height of the love that God has for us. You know, we need to replace every time one of those thoughts comes in our head that I'm not enough or I don't like myself or I can't do this with I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that, you know, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Um, so for me, that's really the key. The battle is in our mind, and if we can, if we can fight that battle there and daily get up every single day saying, I'm not going to allow m- my thoughts to be controlled by anything but the Holy Spirit, and I'm, I'm going to fill them with God's word so that I dwell on truth and I don't dwell on lies.
1: And that is a great point and a great distinction. And I like how you phrased it, you know, what is in your mind and what are you telling yourself? And you have to consciously make a choice to go, I'm not going to keep telling myself these negative thoughts and focusing on the things I don't like or I, I perceive as a flaw or a failure. I'm going to focus on what God's word says. And like you said, there is power in scripture and going back to scripture and just telling yourself, even reading, you know, even reading the scripture with your name in it, you know, I and say your name wonderfully wonderfully made, make it very personal to you because it is personal. Scripture is personal. God wrote it to each one of us. And I think a lot of times as women, I know I do this, Um, we see ourselves as this one more face in the crowd, not as an individual person that God doors and, you know, he's, he's holding us in his hand. And that is hard. And and a lot of the things you're saying about teens, they're absolutely, I don't think we ever outgrow those things, those feelings. And the Mm -hmm. talk, you know, it, it, and I just remember, I don't know if you do um, when you're a teenager, you thought when I grow up, I am, I'm going to feel this way and I'm going to be so much more confident and I'm not going to deal with, I'm not going to deal yeah. with you know, the jealousy and the pettiness of relationships or all this stuff. And you find that, no, it just kind of gets a little more complicated and a little more complex and a little more sophisticated, but those same issues are still there a lot of times. And so I think it's so appropriate what you're saying about teens is it's so right, even with women and with us struggling, you know, even as moms. And the feelings of inadequacy mm-hmm. as much um, in comparing and competing. And the same thing we do when, when we're teens. Well, what, is, uh, what are some of the lessons that you really hope that your readers, after they're reading this book, um, and I'm going to try to say it correctly, anomaly. <laughs> I don't know why I have our <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, did, did I do okay? Did I pass the test? Um, what, what are some of the yeah, lessons? Yes, 100%. Very good. Good. Thank you. That your readers will, will take away from this book. And and by the way, isn't this going to be a series?
3: It is. It's a trilogy, yeah. So the second is out in January. It's titled Luminary. And then the third will come out next July, and it's revolutionary. So it's really, her journey is over three books. So this is just the first step in her journey. But um, I mean, I think in Anomaly especially, the the main lesson is learning to see that who you are is exactly who God made you to be. That, you know, there's no mistakes and there's no, oh man, you know, what was I thinking when that one happened? Mm -hmm. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, I also hope they see, uh, and I've seen this in a few reviews and it's really encouraging to see, wow, we are blessed to live where we are. And, you know, we all complain about politics and everything like that, and I understand that, but you know, we are in a country where we can have copies of the Bible, as many copies of the Bible as we want. We can read at any time. Nobody's stopping me on the way to church. Nobody is trying to keep me from going. Um, we have the freedom to worship, and for that, we should be very grateful. And, and that isn't even fiction, because there are, are certainly other countries in this world in 2013 where people don't have the luxury and the blessing of being able to worship with other people and being able to read God's word freely. So, uh, that's another lesson I hope that maybe people get out of that is just to not take for granted, uh, what we have in that.
1: And that's a great reminder for all of us to just, and, and to look around us and just appreciate what we have and, and where we are and, and the opportunities that God affords us. And how are we using those opportunities to really give back to him? Um, Chrisette, we only have two minutes, and in the last few minutes, how can people learn more about you and more about your books? And then I thought it was fascinating at the break. I just have to say this: you, uh, the time we're talking about, you know, feeling inadequate and stuff. And when you wrote this book, you started in March and had to be done by August. And that would have put like major stress on me and feelings of inadequacy. So just pushing through that, your journey, but how (laughs) they find you. And what is, what is something you want just to leave our our listeners with today as we end our show? And again, I want to thank you for joining and just sharing your heart and your, I I love your heart for teens and just for women and for writing and, and that you've allowed God to use your giftedness to really impact the kingdom. So again, my question again is how do they find you? And what's something you want to leave our listeners with?
3: Okay, well, you can find me. I am on Facebook under Krista Abney McGee, Krista with a K. I am on Twitter at Krista McGee Y A, and I have a website, www.kristamcgeebooks.com. Uh, so those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Uh, what do I want to leave you with? I- just want to encourage you. I, you know, I love that you're talking today. You know, I saw on it, but you know, cracked and broken. And how does God use you in spite of your weaknesses? And um, I think during the break, I was telling you, I think God is more glorified when we allow Him to use us in our weakness and when we feel inadequate than even when we feel like we've got it all together. There's greater glory for Him, and our faith grows as a result. My faith grew as I wrote this book because I didn't know how I was going to finish. Um, given the limitations that I had. And so, you know, truly we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us.
1: And I couldn't say anything better to end the show. Thank you again, Krista, for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.